What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Misty Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today I'm talking to somebody who definitely got her money right at a very young age, which is super inspiring and motivational, but a really good friend of mine that I'm so happy to reconnect with. What's up, Ashley? Ginelli, oh my gosh, always an honor to be surrounded by your greatness in general because Girl, you're great. you. <laughs> Girl, That's I feel all. the same way about That's you. All. And I've missed you. So I missed you more. Yeah, everybody listening and watching, Ashley was actually on my YouTube channel uh, probably about two years ago. She came yep. over to my old my old apartment that I had before, and we did a couple of questions from some of my YouTube um, subscribers, and it was just super cute. We just threw them in a hat. We pulled them out and just answered them. That was, was so fun. much fun. It was. I'm going to link that um, video in the show notes in case people want to go catch me and Ashley just kind of riffing and having fun. But Ashley and, met, Ashley and I met at a personal finance conference and we just hit it off immediately. We've been really good friends. We text every now and then. and But we haven't talked in a while between COVID and everything else going on. So this is actually a really good chance for us to reconnect and catch up. So Ashley, for the, everybody listening who is not already familiar with you, your work with Stacks in the City, tell them a little quick intro about Ashley Copeland, who you're all about, what you're all about, and a little bit about Stacks in the City too. Yes. So everything you know, said was right. You guys are so, oh, she's the best. Just FYI. <laughs> anyway, we digress. But yes, my name is Ashley Copeland. I have a platform called Stacks in the City. I have a podcast. It started as a podcast and now it's growing into other ventures, but it's primarily a podcast where I teach people about money and personal finance and specifically investing. So I teach people who have no idea about the stock market, the foundation the basics of the stock market, like how to make a trade. What is a trade? What's a ticker symbol? The basics. Yep. And I started, yeah, I started like two, yeah, two, about two years ago. It's pretty much when I met Yanelli. And initially it was like all finance, everything. Um, but I noticed that a lot of people in this space, a lot of people of color, a lot of females aren't talking specifically about the stock market. And right. those that do, it's so boring. Yeah, and the, the stock market isn't interesting. Like to me, I think about if you're really consistent about investing, it is like watching paint dry. It's not as exciting, but yeah. you're investing in companies and and you're investing in things that you like. If you think about it that way, it can be. So I really wanted to teach this in a method that to me was an interesting, exciting, right? That made you think. That was very clear to understand. I think a lot of people don't make it very clear. So right now, it's primarily investing in stock only but I do also have real estate holdings I have I made a have a self-made net worth of six figures and I did that before 30 and I've never made I think I've, the highest I ever made was probably around seventy thousand dollars a year yeah I live in one of the most expensive cities in America so you live in DC want, for people yes I live in yeah. yeah I live in DC I live in DC so I want people to know that you can build wealth no matter how old you are no matter what your income is no matter it doesn't matter if you're smart about your money and where it goes, then you're going to see your money multiply. Right. Yeah. That's the important thing is you got to be smart about money. And the sooner you get started, obviously the better, like for Ashley's yes. story is kind of like, you know, for you to, for you to be listening, if you're over 30, you're probably like, wait, what? Ashley did all of that before she turned 30. Oh my goodness. Like there's no way. Well, that's Ashley's journey. That's her story because she got right, started right. in her early twenties. Like that was her thing. And we'll get to that later with her, how she took initiative in her early twenties to even put herself on that path. But I want to go ahead and just jump into some of the really good juicy questions that I usually start with, which is Ashley, tell juice. everybody, you know, we all love the juice. Um, <laughs> tell, tell everybody listening, what is 
your biggest money regret that you can think of the time you spent maybe just too much money or maybe it was just like an experience or service that you purchased that just was so regretful you wish you never did it and you wish you could take it back to this very day what would that be can I give two I will give give two two. yep go ahead two so the first the first actually is my first property believe it or not yeah so I'm I I own two I own Mm -hmm. two but the first one I bought a condo in a really nice area, a nice part of DC. And that was my first property. And initially it was supposed to be used for Airbnb or short-term rentals. I didn't know that this condo association would have more say on what I did with my property than I would. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that until after I bought it. So there, are a, there were a lot of rules about what I could and could not do with this property. So Hmm. I wasn't allowed to, like, it had to be Uh, 12 month lease minimum. And for me, in that area, it's a lot of young people who want short-term leases. Like that area is like, I'm 21, I'm here for six months, I'm doing an internship. Right, especially in DC, exactly. Especially in DC, I couldn't rent to those people. And I could have charged more rent to those people. So I had a lot of issues with that. And I just couldn't, I mean, the condo association, everything you did, you had to go through them first. Any renovations, anything, you had to go through them. So I'm like, wow, I don't feel like I own it. And because of that, I lost a lot of money, both purchasing it, renovating it, and having a tenant. that I could have had so much more if I would have done my initial plan. So Mm -hmm. I don't regret the home. Well, I don't regret buying it because it taught me a lot of lessons. And my second property, I checked all of that stuff. So I always recommend if you're doing a condo, especially in a major city, to look at the condo association, how actively they are involved with the home, yep. um, with the unit. Cause to me, I, looking back, I think it was more of like a, a co-op kind of thing. I know it's not, right. that's not a co-op, but it was to me, that kind of co-op. structure. Exactly, right. exactly. So I definitely wouldn't recommend that at least if they're really involved. So that would be my kind of regret. The other one, I really wish that I, I'm glad I did it, but I kind of, ugh. I had an old friend of mine yeah. that wanted some, long story short, he wanted to go back into school. And I was like maybe 22, 23 at the time. And he had to clear a debt of $3,000, which is a lot of money, even today. That's a lot of money to give in somebody. Mm-hmm. And I gave him the money with the thought that he was going to pay me back. And he told I, me that he would pay me back. He told yeah, me I, like that it was no problem. He told me that, um, I guess he had a, a teacher or something. Long story mm-hmm. short, if he ran off with your money, girl. Out, he ran off with my money, girl. Oh, Long story short, God. if y'all are do, I don't, I never recommend, and to this day, I don't give money to friends or family. I don't. I don't unless I give it as a gift. Willing. As a gift, so yes. No. I was just about to say that. I do it yep. as a gift if, yep. if it is. Because it's too, it's too messy. So I it would, is. if you're going to do that, if you're loaning money, you have to draw. I would definitely recommend drawing papers to an attorney, having them sign, because that way, if you want to take somebody to court, which you really don't want to do, I wouldn't want to no, do that. No, you're going to pay more money going to court than you even lend for the that. Place. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's why y'all don't do it. But I would have definitely had papers, all that stuff in the first yeah, place. especially when you're young, that, that was a big chunk of your savings. That a was a huge lot of money. chunk at 23. Exactly. Ugh. So would not well, recommend doing that. But he did graduate from college. And okay. so that's why I'm like, but where my money don't. But where my, but where my money at? Thank <laughs> you. That was all of that Rihanna saw back in the day. That wasn't a return on investment, Yanelli. Because I didn't get but no investment. But that's for what I'm saying, was. though. For him, it yes. was. So now that he got his ROI, he needs to pay you back. 
what's up? You need to DM, slide in the DMs, like, boy, oh boy, I know you remember that 3K. Yeah, now I like, know. Now back in, it's 2021, now you're going to be thinking like it's 2014, and I'm bad again. <laughs> <laughs> you but need those to be like, regrets. sir, sir, excuse me, sir, Ch create like five different Knock Instagrams. Knock on the door. So if he tries to block Knock you, door. you come, if you try to block you, you come from nowhere. a different one. You sir, sir, you try to block, so you try to block me, it's me again, and I need my yeah. 3K. I know you play a game. You know, the crazy thing is I have a video on my YouTube channel that said the exact same thing you just said, which is I learned the hard way to lend money, but only if you are going to pretend it's not lent, it's a gift, because then in your mind, you wrote it off as like, that's a gift. So if you get it back, nice. hey, yeah, you got, the, you got the money back, great, everything's cool, but you weren't expecting and you weren't relying on that money to get it back. So I'm the same way, girl. I, my, in my mind, my maximum is like $500. And within my family, I always do this. If they ask me for money, I will give away $500 if I don't need it back. But if they pay me back, great. And if they don't, I'd be like, it's cool. I didn't need it. I had already okay. put that money aside for giving it away as a gift. So, but, the, for, but no more than 500 though. 500 is the max. Like, I like if my, that. If I my, think of a max. You, yes, set a max for yourself because then people will become too reliant. I learned that too, where I, I'll lend you a certain amount and you keep coming back. I send you another certain amount, it's another amount. And it's like, no, no, no. It, my max is 500 at one time. Like, no, you're not getting more than that. And some people have definitely tried to play me like how you describe where they won't, you know, pay me back. And I'm like, you know what? You got to learn the hard way. So sometimes it's better that you learn that lesson in your early, early, early life. Like when you say you're early, early, 20s, because then you're not going to make those kind of mistakes when you get a little older. You're like, no, you don't play. You got, a little, then you got a little more money. Exactly. And it's exactly. easier to say no, I think as you're older than when you're like, 21, 22, yes. I think. It's so naive. So I agree. You're, still, you're I trying agree. to figure out social situations, trying to navigate your friendships. You don't want to lose friends over it. So if you have it, you might say yes. Definitely when you get older, you're like, oh, now chill. I got a backbone now. Now I know what to say. Now <laughs> I know like, what to say. I agree. It's a straight, it's a straight no for me. It's a no for me, dog. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about on the flip side of that regret, of those two yeah. regrets. What is a time where you drop coin? Like a lot. And you don't regret it to this day. You're like, I know other people might look at my budget and might say that was crazy that I spent all that money, but I Ooh. don't regret it. And I'm so glad I did. I would do it again in a heartbeat because it was worth it do for it. me. Yeah, do what would that be? In a heartbeat. For sure. The one thing I can think of is me um, taking my mom on a trip to the Bahamas and my yes. sister. Mama, so go ahead. Oh, mom, and your sister. Ooh. I took my sister to, she actually, no, but she did pay me back though. My, cause my family's not trifling, <laughs> but anyway, my family went, but we, for my mom's 50th birthday and this is okay. This happened when I was an undergrad, which is why I think yeah. it's, so I was again, maybe like 20 ish, maybe 21. And I really, my mom had never traveled outside of America. She um, really didn't travel outside of North Carolina, like Virginia at that time. She didn't really go past like an hour and a half of like Aww. her radius. So yeah. I really wanted to take my mom to a, on a vacation. She never had a vacation. And she's always joked she wants to go to Cancun on Tuesday. I was like, well, we can't go to Cancun, <laughs> but we can go to the Bahamas. So I got this cruise. And I think that was, again, like, I think it was like $1,000. And again, when you're, like you said, when you're younger and you're, your income isn't, like you're still getting earning checks by the hour, like minimum wage, that's a lot yeah. of money. And I know for some people yes. today, that could be a lot of money. So I a lot and I didn't really expect some unexpected expenses came like we had to do flights and extra tipping and the bus to get to the mm -hmm. to the um 
Port Authority thing was kind of expensive, but I have absolutely no regret. The look on my mom's face when we were eating this little nice dinner is still ingrained in my mind. Yeah, so zero regret. That's probably one of the best purchases I've ever made. I would do it again. Even today, if it costs three times the cost, I would do it in a heartbeat. No worries. The best memory. I love that. I love that. And that's, that's usually what experts will say when it comes to spending money, that the best way to spend your money is not on things. Like it's not buying your mom a purse. It's actually getting her an experience Experience, that you will remember forever. A trip, a, you know, a destination that you went to an exploration, an adventure, something that you went out and experienced. And now you're never going to forget it. And that's, it's funny, like most of the people that answer this question on the show always share an experience most of the time. That's so interesting. You know, because the things you buy, you forget. You forget. You don't even know where those things end up sometimes. But the events that happen yep. in your life, you don't forget. I I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, quick tangent. I have a friend who really wants to get this really expensive bag. She wants to get a Chanel flap. She can, she can get it. And <laughs> she wants to get it specifically in Paris at this specific store. Right. And... I'm like, you know, there's actually a lot of much cheaper ways that you can get it. There are way, like, there's a lot of secondhand places. There's a lot, there's just a lot of options. Which is like, no, I really want that experience of being in Paris. And I'm like, you know what? I can't be mad about that. Because what you're purchasing, really, you're spending a lot, this money on your, your memory. And if you can afford that, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Because you really want the memory wrapped up into your purchase. I think that's priceless. I right. do. Right. Right. And that's the thing. It's all about your values. And we, so I've talked about this on the show so many all times before values. where I'm like, dude, if you value that, if that's going to mean so much, you're never going to forget the moment where you went into the store in Paris or, you know, the flagship or whatever. And that's going to make you never yeah. forget it. Then do it because that's a value for you. Like somebody, somebody like me, girl, I, I don't care about a purse from the thrift store versus a purse from right. Paris. I would, to me, they're all purses. And, but they're all purses. Some, to me, it's not a value of mine to really care too much about high fashion. But for somebody who does value it, you know, like that experience could be everything to them. And so that's why you have to know yourself more than anything else when you're getting involved with your money and you're going to budget, yep. and you're going to set aside things. You got to know you. What do you love? What exactly. You care about? And not what other people. Else. Yep. What people tell you about money, that's based on their values, their belief systems. You got to really know who, like you said, who you are. Take it into consideration because I feel like a lot of these budget people out here do say some accurate stuff. I do, but yep. don't make them feel bad if you like getting your nails done every week. As long as it's in your personal budget, because you know maybe you like getting nails done, but you're not a big car person. Maybe you don't have any I... debt. They don't know that. That's what, then exactly. it's, you should do that guilt free, no problem. Like I exactly, and I think yep. I will teach you to be rich. Um, that author Remit, um, yeah, I believe that's his name talks about that a lot. And I couldn't agree more with that, yep. that sentiment. Yeah. I right. can agree yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely right. He talks about um, turning up your money dial. And he says that it's really important for you to figure out where you love spending money the most and spend more mm-hmm. there, but cut back relentlessly. On cut back relentlessly. Those things can't matter. You can't do everything, but you can do anything. So you have to pick the things that matter the most. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned your mama. Mama. And Shout you talked a little mama. bit about how... Um, talked a little bit about how she hadn't really experienced much beyond her area where she kind of is from where she grew up and what she knows and that being like North Carolina Virginia area um through up up and through there so 
tell us a little bit more about mom. Tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up, your, your entire family, your sister, dad, everybody. But like, give us a little bit of, of the context and perspective of your early money lessons. Like, what was your family like in terms of money? You know, I know you and I both are first generation college um, students and also both grew up extremely low income. So obviously that experience we share, but want you to tap into that a little bit and talk about like what early money lessons or stories do you remember where it's like either it's obvious money was just not spoken about or this is the way that money was contextualized for you because of the environment at home regarding money. But what do you what do you remember when we when we say like early money lessons? Yeah, for sure. So for me. So we grew, I grew up when I was born, we grew up like a working class black family. Very, like my parents were working class. I, you know, we, I never, at, at that time, we never felt like we didn't have, but I knew that there were a lot more things that we could have had. Yeah. But we lived like, a, for example, we lived in a two bedroom, like 800 square foot home. And it was yeah two bedroom one bathroom in Virginia or like um like outside of Virginia Beach, and yeah I never felt like we didn't have but I also knew there was like my parents wanted more, but mm-hmm. they you know it was it was hard, but for for us what really what really changed our life was when my parents split up and we ended up moving to rural North Carolina so we went from a working class black family who wanted who had a lot of hope I feel like they my parents talked about moving into like a bigger home I remember and they talked about wanting to do all these things I guess I don't know how to describe that anyway to living in a place where not only were we living in a poor area but we were very you know we became poor in this poor area as well my dad he stopped working in like 1994 so I don't really, my dad never, I don't never really remember my dad working. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that experience is like. And then my mom worked part-time jobs. Um, she worked, I know your people may not know about Belk, but Belk is kind of like a Macy's sort of, like Macy's, JCPenney sticks together. So she worked yeah. as a retail clerk there and then she was such a teacher. She would work like 15 hours and we would still earn less than $20,000 a year. Um, last I remember that um so I don't know I remember just living just not having but that wasn't I don't know it was yeah it was, it was hard it definitely was hard but at the same time you know my mom never made us feel she never made us feel bad for that my mom was very very strong like yeah, mm-hmm. her, our car was like 10 years behind. Like, what was like 2005? We were driving like a 91 <laughs> Nissan. But my mom's like, it's what it is. Like, she never right. felt the need to keep up with somebody. She never felt the need to take out credit cards to give us stuff that we so called wanted. She never mm-hmm. felt that need. And that really kind of helped shape my money mentality because my parents were always very cheap. They never spent below, above their means. They never got into a lot of credit card debt. They never got, it was never like that. It is what it is. Like, my house, it right. is what it is no right. air conditioning that's because it's too expensive you don't need it anyway that's what my family was like oh my god <laughs> so we 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 would never were taught to live above our means and our means were very very low off the strength of that we know ne- I never felt the need to compare myself to someone else and that stuck with me my whole life I never feel that's the crazy. need to out yeah outspend I never spend more than what I have I can definitely yeah. look nice I can definitely dress well I can definitely go out and all that but I'm never using 
credit cards that I, or money that I don't have that doesn't exist to mm-hmm. live a lifestyle. And that stuff for me, my parents were also, like I said, very cheap. They hate spending money. I was like that. I'm still like that, but not as much as I used to be because now I know the importance of spending money on experiences and spending money on your future. So investing, I was right. very scared to do that when I was younger because I wasn't exposed to it. Right. So it's really important for me. I, I tell people that I spend probably 90% of my money I say maybe 10, but the spending goes to things that I, I tell to go to. So I'm spending money on savings. Like I'm yes. putting money into a savings account. I'm spending money on investments. $500 a month goes to my Roth IRA. I'm yes. literally spending it, but my future self is going to appreciate me for it. On top of, you know, spending money on going out to eat and traveling, you know, you spend money on that stuff too. But I, everything I have to think about is spending because for me, yeah. when I was saving all my money, it didn't do anything for me. I was just right. saving out of fear. I got a lot of, fears when I was younger about not having enough money and I would end up going back to North Carolina. That was one of my biggest fears. I wasn't successful and I'm going to end up back in North Carolina living back in a double white with my mom. Like no offense, but that wasn't what I wanted. I don't feel that way at all. Like I'm going to be spending all of my money Mm -hmm. on my life, on my lifestyle, on my investments and saving a little bit of it because you know, you need that rainy. For me, it's $10,000 for a rainy day fund. Like that's my number that I use. So that was a long response, but my parents are cheap. I inherited the cheapness. I started learning and educating myself on how to still be cheap, but invest more. I stopped being afraid <laughs> yeah. of the stock market and real estate market because I started yeah. doing it. And now I'm starting to see the the residual effects of those risks that I took when I was younger. That's amazing. But you know, what, what's interesting to me is I don't think your story is, it's definitely unique in the fact that you have a very obviously unique story. Like your life is your life. Nobody else has that same experience. So I don't think being afraid of investing is uncommon. I would actually say that's very common because I, even recently I was talking to somebody who was telling me like, how much money am I supposed to have in in cash? And I was like, not a lot. Like you're supposed to have maybe a couple months of rent and expenses. He's like, oh, everything else. Do you know what he said to me? He said he had multiple years worth of cash in his bank accounts. And I was like, that's not uncommon. Why? I'm like, why? And he's like, well, I just feel like you never know. Like with this economy and everything going on. Like I just, I'm like, dude, you have multiple years. You have tens of thousands of dollars. (laughs) Multiple years. Yes. That's that's a couple of six figures, Yadeli. Yeah, for sure. I mean, depending on where you are, for sure. Definitely getting in the hundreds. Right. Getting in the hundreds of thousands. But my thing is, why right he grew up similar to me his parents are immigrants and 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 I think it's this mentality of like listen if we don't have everything that we need when we need it we tend to like fear the unknown fear the uncertainty and just operate off of this is what I know I know this cash is going to be there when I go back to check on it because I never touched it when since I deposited it and that certainty the certainty of that cash being there is what helps me sleep at night and I, but I think that's you know, like, to what that you said so earlier, real. which is yes, you need more um, education about how the stock market works and how investing in a way that will minimize your risk will help you to feel more comfortable yeah. and sleep better at night, knowing your money is not all going to disappear. Like, I, I think that's the misconception people have. So if I invest, I'm going to lose my, all of it. I'm going to lose all my money. Right. Like, no, not No, not true. no. But you know, like you have, I always tell people, I tell the people this in my workshops too, because we really talk about that. Where does your investing knowledge come from? The, the, the mm. limited knowledge information. I always want people to really evaluate that. For me, yes. when I was growing up, it came from my grandfather. It came from my dad. 
those aren't reliable sources for investing. <laughs> what do they Love know y'all? about investing? Right, but right. my grandfather, for example, grew up in the Great Depression era. Mm-hmm. He grew up and he was born, uh, my dad's father, he was born in 1929. He grew up in the Great Depression era. So Lord knows that's the last man that needs to be talking about the, the like stock the market. market he's, he's, right? Yeah, he's tainted. He's, he's traumatized right? from the, the market crash. Also growing up as an African-American in this country, we there's not a lot of trust when it comes to banks, when it comes to, because there has been a lot of discrimination that has happened. And even in my family, I've seen because of the, where we're born, the way we look, how history has brought us to this point. So of course my grandfather's gonna be tainted. That passed along to my dad. He was tainted too. Right. That's gonna pass on to me. I was generational, tainted. yes. And it is because I saw I literally saw it, you know. So I for me it was imperative that I learned. I had to learn and read as much as possible. It's hard to talk to people about it because a lot of people don't know. Even the people who benefit from investing don't know. I don't know my dad handles that. I don't know my financial advisor handles that. I don't know. It's a family thing. We don't talk about that. That part right there. That part right there. I don't know my advisor handles it. I don't know my dad handles it. That's just as bad as not knowing and not having It is just as bad, you know, it is just as bad. So I'm over here lost, confused, but I was determined to figure it out. Real estate was my, well, actually, no, investing was my first, but real estate, uh, I was, I was more comfortable with because you see it's tangible, but it's really the same thing. They're both in, at their core, the same concept, but I do recommend people who live in expensive areas, people like you, you know, you live in a very expensive area to, to look more into investing first in the stock market only because it's easier to get started. You don't need an agent. You don't need a lot of money, like thousands of dollars to invest in. It's way more passive. It's not as much maintenance as the real estate market. It's much easier to, to build wealth in the market first as a person who lives in LA, DC, uh, New York metro area. That's right. Um, right. No, we know expensive areas. Chicago can be kind of expensive than, than where we live. Right. And I mean, in your case, once I learned it, it it's like that. Yeah. I I mean, in your case too, I was about to say it was not as hard to get started because you just admitted to hoarding a bunch of money in your savings account. So being that type of person, even though most people would see that as a bad thing in your, in your case, it worked out in your favor because you ended up having a giant pile of cash. So you could get started in the real estate game young with a bunch of cash, just right? Because, because you were afraid to make money. Moves, I was a hoarder. But it, exactly. ended up, but it ended up leading you to make a big money move, which who knew? So, yeah. Who knew? So, okay. So we're going to talk about really, do that, you know, like, but, sorry, really, really quick, really quick. Sorry, y'all really quick. The only way no, to do that, go. y'all, you have to read and educate yourself. You have to educate yourself. So if you come from communities like that, where you're scared, everybody's telling you, something different and the books are telling you otherwise you got to trust the stuff that you're reading because these people are not wrong they're not people aren't going to write stuff they're not going to write lies and on tv and stuff maybe even on social media they say whatever they want to get attention but the books don't lie the people's right. ideas don't they they're not going to steer you wrong please y'all educate yourself okay and yeah. listen to you I, I, I love okay. no i love that point because um nowadays when you say you know, they're not going to, you're not going to read something that's misinformation in a book. It is so important that you trust sources that are actual legitimate sources, like, like reputable books written by authors who have, you know, credentials versus reading articles on the web or reading something on social media, on Facebook articles. Somebody sent me a link. Like that's not, you can't trust trust nothing on the internet. None of that. Y'all need to stop investing. Dow Jones is down 200 points. And that's normal. That's what I'm right. seeing. Oh, no. No, exactly. Y'all don't be trusting these links. Listen yeah, to you, Nelly. 
it's and true. read. <laughs> listen to you now. Listen, that's gonna be the new plug. Listen to you, Nelly. Um, yeah. Okay, but you so you talked about stacking up money because you were kind of afraid. You didn't know what to do with it. You didn't trust, and you just wanted that cash there. You just you were too scared to do anything with it. So you stacked up the money. You got involved in real estate, but you knew a little something, something about money and real estate before you, sh- you made those moves. And it was because you put yourself in the world of money, like in, in, the, in a career, in, a, in, in a, an opportunity where you were in the world of personal finance. So tell right. us the story about how you even got into personal finance. Because like you didn't study this in college. You, no. you didn't know about it before. All of a sudden no. you, you were in that world. How did you, yeah. how did you enter, enter into personal finance? Yeah. So prior to that, I, long story short, I got, laid off i got fired from this personal not, it wasn't an executive assistant job dc is all about it's executive assistants who you know lobbying hill executive it's all about that so i had a job <laughs> as an executive assistant for a lobbying firm long story okay. short he let me go and i was uh i was waiting tables kind of out of a, not really out of a job but i was waiting tables and for a little while and i remember walking to the to my job uh my serving job and I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, I purchased a property and I have all this money saved up. I did it on my own. I really want to teach other people how to do this too. So I think I should work in finance. I literally, I remember walking on K Street because my job is near, it's like around the corner on K Street. Shout yeah. out to DC people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then um, I was like, I think I should, I think I need to be in personal finance. So, so the initial plan was to write a list of all the banks in on K Street. That's where most of the finance stuff is in DC. Okay. That was my initial plan, but I was like, oh, might as well get started. So it was before my job at work, and I went to Morgan Stanley, which was on like around this one on K Street, I Street. Anyway, so I went up there, and I'm like, I basically went to the front desk lady. I was like, my name is Ashley Copeland. I actually own the property. I have a lot of money saved up. I did it on my own. I come from North Carolina. I think I should work here um, as a financial advisor. You walked in off the street. You had walked. no appointment. I had no appointment. There. I was wearing my didn't work. Know I was wearing my farm from nobody. Wow. No. And wow. I said, I, I should be working here because I saved a lot of money. I didn't know what about, I, mind you, I had no <laughs> idea what a financial advisor did. Cause I thought they gave financial advice. They don't do that. But wow. I didn't know. But the front desk lady got basic. Oh, I saw something in you, baby. I saw something in you. So she got me in contact. Long story short, I got in contact with the, um, the manager there. I, it's a long story, but yeah, the, one of the managers there, Wow. And he's like, okay, you know, it took nine months. It took, or set, no, it took seven months. Long time. Cause they, it takes, it took a long time for me to get hired there. Right. Multiple interviews, but I rounds, all that. Multiple interview rounds. And I had to keep emailing, by the way, I'm here, da da da. I'm so interested. And he's like, are you sure this is what you want to do? I was like, yes. So I got hired and I had to take an exam. I had to take the series seven, I had to get licensed. And mm-hmm. it's one and done. So if you don't pass this test on the first try, you get fired, you get terminated. Ooh. And that happens. Ooh. So, and mind you, this is like all finance stuff, like like you said, all that lingo, all that jargon that I really wasn't familiar with, like yield yeah. and velocity, all that stuff. I and options and puts and strike. I didn't know any of that stuff, so I had a wow. month to learn all of that. I passed the test barely, but I passed it. Woo! And um, and then I took another one. I had passed that too. That's fine. So then I worked there. I was an advisor for like two years in wealth management, and I left which I was kind of sad about. I like working. I like Morgan Stanley, but I left because 
I started my podcast at the time, started Sex in the City, and they wouldn't let me do both because it was a conflict of interest. Ooh. So they thought I was going to stop my podcast. And I of said, course. no. I of course, big companies like that. You see, I'm so glad you said that because I, first of all, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they gave you ultimatum. And a lot of people who start their brands and, and do this because of their passion for educating people are yeah. told that by their employer. If your employer finds out and you work in the finance industry, a lot of times they do not allow you to have a financial education platform no. because you can't. No. It's like, it's a quote-unquote conflict of interest and you 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 work talking about this instead of saying you have to have a disclaimer in every episode that you say i am an employee at morgan stanley however this this podcast has nothing to do with morgan stanley has nothing exactly that that would be one thing which i could see them asking for that but asking you to not even do it to just like completely erase eliminate and like delete this from your life is just to me so ridiculous and unfair especially in 2021 in this day and age like come on now stop it is but for them, they like those who work in personal or those who work in uh, wealth management, working for like big finance firms, know that it's more of a lawyer's office, it's more of an attorney mm-hmm. office than a finance firm. Yeah. So they would have to screen everything I said to make sure I wasn't giving financial like investment advice. Like, yeah. oh, this stock's gonna be big in five years. They had to make sure I wasn't doing that, yeah. and they didn't want to bother obviously screening me because that would be a waste of their yeah. time. Their time, right? So. Right, their time. So they told me I would have to stop it. And I remember telling the compliance officer that I'm not going to do that. So I left. I left Morgan Stanley. Great place. Though. I mean, I personally liked, I liked, I like my experience there overall. It really taught me, like I said, a lot about money, a lot about, and I did, I, I stopped being scared of the stock market. I was still scared, even though I had money invested myself. I just didn't manage it myself. I was confused, but I learned you can do it yourself. I didn't yes. know that. Yes. I had no clue. So and listen, not, not just that you can do it yourself, but that some person, somebody like Ashley with just determination and drive and ambition could walk into Morgan Stanley off the street, seven months later, take a test, start working as a financial advisor and be managing rich people's money. Ash, little old Ashley from rural North Carolina Hello. manages some rich old person's money because she was determined to not take no for an answer and to be on top of them until they gave her a job. That means that you can do this for yourself and your own money. If yeah. Ashley can do it for rich people and their money, why can't we do it for our own money? We can do it for Hello. our own too. That's right. I love that. Anyway, I really wanted you to get to that story because I remember you told me the story about how you walked in off the street and I didn't believe you, but this is just I crazy. sure did. Shout out to Miss Regina. Yeah, listen, Regina, honey, you gave somebody an opportunity and it changed her life. You're amazing. You're amazing. Sure did. But but not only that, shout out to you, Ashley, because how many people out there think of all the excuses in the book, why they don't have a job, why they're doing something they don't want to do. Every day they walk to their serving job, maybe their whatever job, retail job, and they're just uh, huffing and puffing, complaining, counting the days to, you know, not work there anymore. Instead, you're like, you know what? I want to work in finance. I'm, I'm serving right now. You know, I'm waiting tables right now, which is not my end goal, but on my way to work today, yeah, I'm sure. Right. I'm going to walk into every bank. I stopped by and say, I want a job here. What can I do? And that like that action that you took, instead of just being like passive and complaining about it, like taking that action, walking into a bank. I mean, it's just, I feel like in this day and age, most people are like, oh, I emailed a bunch of people, my resume and I never heard back. So no. Get up off of no. the couch. I mean, you know, you have to get up. But yeah, you, you are, have but to you have to. And that's, I know we, we, this is more money. We both talk a lot about money, but for those, my young folks out there who are just graduating, I know it is a little different right now. It, that's true. But those of you who are just graduating, those of you guys who are looking for jobs in general, maybe you're between jobs, I 
the only every job I've gotten is because I knew somebody. And the only way I knew somebody was either going through LinkedIn or calling through somebody and requesting personally to meet them. I had to meet them in person. Maybe for y'all, it might be Zoom now. But you have to do everything you can to get in someone's face. Like you said, it's not enough to um, put your resume through a portal because they're not going to respond to you. But they do respond to people that they they are familiar with. They've seen their face. They see their name. And y'all nepotism is real especially in these big industries like politics and finance like I saw a lot of people who get these jobs way easier than I did you can't let that sweat you but you have to get in somebody's you have to be all up in somebody's face that's that's the only advice I can give be in somebody's face that's so true and not only that but it's so rare like first of all it almost never happens and even if it does it's so rare like in my case since I graduated college which was like oh my lord I feel oh I'm aging myself right now but like 10 years ago um when I graduated (laughs) since then I've had six different jobs in the past 10 years like legit like jobs that like I could have continued and kept having that career but I changed my career path but I had six different jobs one out of those six jobs I got not knowing anybody there like I just sent my resume on mm. online and they contacted me back one all five one. out of those six jobs sick, it right. was because I knew somebody who helped me get the interview who helped me get yep. in the door who referred me that is is who you know not what you know a lot of the times especially in this day and, and age where everybody's you know, connected online exactly and I wouldn't even say some I feel like back in the day at least when we were coming up like when we were teenagers in the in the 2000s they would tell us <laughs> sometimes they'd be all sly about it. I remember watching ATL and the guy was like sometimes it's not no it's not no sometimes it's all yeah. the time it's That's 100% right. of the time who you know 100% of the time who you know so y'all That's better right. get up and know somebody mm-hmm. That's all. oh shout out to ATL I love that show oh man That's I miss it I know are they coming back with a new season I haven't watched in so long I but... hope so I know that first season though, was everybody. my favorite people still watch I... TV right and now more than ever honestly um, okay, well, I like to wrap up the show with obviously giving people two things. One is giving people an opportunity to find you, support you, tell you that they loved your episode and everything about you oh. and continue to follow you and your podcast. So we'll talk about the work you're doing, both your podcast and your courses that you're offering. And then also with your money model. So I'm gonna give you a little heads up so you can get your money model ready. But I always end the show with a money okay, model. Okay, I gotta get it ready. Which you had a, like, you know, if you had a chance to clear off what it says on the dollar bill and put your money mantra up there. What would every dollar bill say, um, which would be a quote from you. So that's, that's coming up next. But first, everybody who's listening, who loves Ashley, I highly recommend you reach out to her, tell her she's amazing. She's dope, but let her know what from this episode really inspired you that you took away that helped you. Because every time I go on other people's shows, I love hearing from people. They tell me that that episode was great. And I loved hearing you. And this is what you said. And I'm like, yes, like I, it just makes me feel so good. So reach out to Ashley, Ashley, where can people find you support your podcast and your courses? Yes. So you can find me everywhere at stacks in the city. So S T A C K S the letter N, the city, T-H-E-C-I-T-Y. My podcast is called Stacks and the City. Stacks and the City, available on iTunes and Spotify, wink. And I do, every month, I'm offering a program where I teach people the basics of the stock market. So how to open an investment account, how to, again, buy and sell a trade, how to analyze company documents, how to analyze those financials, the liquidity ratios to determine whether or not a stock is worth purchasing or not. Yo, this isn't hard. It sounds hard, but it's not. No math involved, y'all. Just looking, looking and, and assessing. So I do that once, like once a month. So 
if you guys mm-hmm. follow me, I would let you know when my next um, workshop is. And it is it is January, and I'm actually doing one on vision boards. So, uh, I, I love one of my that. pet peeves. I love I love vision boards, but one of my pet peeves is that people do vision boards and they drink their mimosas and they forget about it under their it's under their beds or in their closets. They forget all about it. But for me, mm. I've been doing vision boards for since my fourth year, and I love looking back because I see all the progress that I've made in my life, both personally, both financially, both with sex in the city. So yeah. it's such a beautiful way to see my trajectory and where I want to go. So I want to teach people basically how to create their visions into what their reality looks like. So that's what that. that's what the vision board is like too. So I would definitely give you guys more information on that as well. So I'll be doing another one later um, this month as well. So that's where you can find Love me. Love it. Yes, honey. New year, new goals, new vision board, new everything. Yes. Love it. Okay, Ashi. We're going to wrap up with your oh, no. money okay. mantra, money model. Oh, my gosh. It's going to oh go on a dollar gosh. bill because I'm going to go I on know. Photoshop. I'm going to put it together and I'm going to tag oh, you on no. Insta. And so you got to make oh. it good. No pressure. <laughs> I know. I know, right? So I guess in God we trust. Okay, that's not, that's good, but we got it. We're going to switch it up a bit. Think about how much, not anymore because everything's digital, but before everybody would pass dollar bills around back and forth to transact, to buy stuff, to, you know, give, you, give your niece some money, give daddy this amount. Everybody's handing money, cash hand from hand to hand. So as many people transact with dollar, every time you use a dollar, what is it that you want them to remember about money that is so important oh. that they can't forget? That's, you know, the idea behind why it would go on a dollar. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. I, okay. It would be to, to get money, invest money, and give money. Ooh, I love that. Three parts. I, yep. A lot of love people it. don't do the giving part, I've noticed. That's true. I am more charities. I'm not even going to lie. I haven't been doing the best with that myself, but I set a goal yeah. for 2021 to do more charitable donations because last year I did a very minuscule amount compared to how much I made. And that was shameful because, okay. I, you know, for a lot of my life, I was a charity. So if I needed people to give shout me money. Now, now shout out to the people that were helping me out. Giving me, I needed that dish soap, y'all. I really appreciate that. It's time for me to pay it forward. I went to college on somebody else's dime, so it's time for me to pay it forward. You know, so I love that you said that. Give money, don't just hoard it up, invest it up, give to you. Be all selfish, you got to give as well. So, love that. Thank you so much, Ashley. I'm so glad we got to connect. We'll do this again. I was more glad. Everything you said, I just like, I'm always snapping, snapping, I'm with you. And, And the fact you're so young, you're so fresh, you're just on it, like inspiring me, inspiring everybody else. Just Keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. I love you. Yanelli, you're more amazing. I love you more. You guys are so lucky to have her. <laughs> she is literally, she is, y'all, the real deal. Like, I, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Really quick tangent. You do, like, it is important to hear everybody's money perspective, but I don't think that there's enough money perspectives from people who come from, and I hate, I hate, like, struggle. I don't like that. Because my, 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 I, I know your parents worked really hard for everything you guys had. My parents worked really hard. They did the best they could for what they have. But we just need to hear those perspectives from people whose families were already a middle, upper middle class family, whose families were working with what they got, whose families may not have been able to feed you all the time, but you you, you knew they were trying. They were working yeah. many long hours. They were making minimum wage. They were doing honest work. It wasn't profitable work, a lot of work, but they were trying. Yes. I, a lot of our money people out there, people of color included, come from, you know, pretty strong middle-class families, from, at least from what I've noticed, and I commend them as well. But I want more perspectives from those who come from 
not only a, a minority perspective, but also from those who come from a different economic um, perspective as well, too. Because we, those people, those children need to hear this too. That y'all don't have to be, y'all don't have to end up, you know, you can create the life that you want no matter what it looks like, but you just need someone to teach you how to do it. That's all. And we're here, and Nelly's here to be that bridge for y'all. Mic drop. I love that. We're going to end on that. (laughs) More more perspectives from from low-income backgrounds. It's so important. I love that. Thank you, Ashley. You're amazing. Nelly, thank you. You're fabulous.